in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Chet Holmgren did not play for the Thunder in their Vegas Summer League debut. Ah, your guy. Uh, he played the two previous uh, days in the Utah Summer League. By the way, how did so he do in the gotta, second game? I, don't, uh, I have no clue. He got beat up in the post by the uh, chubby kid from Louisiana Tech, Kenneth Lofton Jr., who is great. That guy dominated Ole Miss in a game two years ago. He's phenomenal. Um, but he still, I think he didn't shoot well. He still had like 11 points and like 13 rebounds, okay. but he did. He like was like one of six from three or something okay. like that. But, uh, we need to get Adam silver in front of a microphone telling teams they can't do load management in the summer. Yeah, league. Chet's already sitting out games and, and it's because he played in the Utah summer league. Who cares about the Utah summer league? Uh, my guy, Paolo had his first game last night. I did not watch. I read tweets that he was very good. Yeah, I think 17, I'm trying to think, 17, 10, 17, 11. It might be 17, 7. I thought he was, uh, you looked at the numbers and read Sam Gordon's column and, you know, uh, came off as if he had a fine debut. Okay. Didn't watch. I was watching non-sports last night. I watched Stranger Things. I've never seen one episode. Wow brutal okay i just wanted to make sure both of you knew that i took a night and didn't watch sports you watched nothing there was nothing on the tv of all the three tvs there's no sports there was no uh baseball dodgers cubs padres giants there's none of that no i mean i watched the astro the astros at a day game watched the astros and then last night i i left my three tv office and went downstairs and my fiance and i watched uh two episodes of stranger things is that one of your guys favorite shows uh, yeah, we watched all the first, what, three seasons, and then the fourth one is now fully out, and we're going to watch it here throughout the month or something is like that. Is that something that I should be watching, that it's funny that I've never had one show, or is that the show that you don't, uh, you're not embarrassed that I haven't seen one episode? Uh, it's, it's, it's really good. I'm surprised you haven't seen any of it, to be honest okay. with you. Right. It's, it's really good. I think my kids watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Mark Andre Fleury signed a two-year deal with the Mark. Minnesota Wild. He will be getting three point five million per year. So right now, the Minnesota uh, Wild have thirty-eight-year-old Mark Andre Fleury, or he'll be thirty-eight during the season, and thirty-four-year-old Cam Talbot as their two goalies, and they're making just over seven million dollars combined. Plus. Fleury got a full no-movement clause. I'm still confused as to why Marc-Andre Fleury is getting such a good deal here. I think because Bill Guerin played with him at some point. He loves is that, him. Is that what happened? He like... he absolutely loves Marc-Andre Fleury. And I guess Bill Guerin called, uh, GM for the Wild, called Cam, Talbot, Cam Talbot's agent last night, and Cam Talbot's agent was not happy. I wouldn't be either. No, I wouldn't be either. I wouldn't be either. He was not happy with the situation that they're going to, obviously, they're going to split time or, who knows the way Garen feels about Flurry? He might be the he might be the main guy. Cam Delbert might be he might be backing him up. Might be a, a Brassois here for the Wild. Like Cam Talbot and Mark Andre Flurry had very similar numbers last year. 
They already had one, the younger one, granted not that much younger, he's 34, under contract at over $3.5 million for next year. And then they decided we needed another one of these guys for over $3.5 million. Who's four like, years older. It just, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make zero sense whatsoever to be like, we've got to lock in Marc-Andre Fleury and we've got to <laughs> overpay our goal. And give him a no-move clause. Right. And like, oh, yeah, of course, no-movement clause. No doubt about it. You got it, dude. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. We should be watching the end of Nick Kyrgios and Rafa Nadal right now, but... Rafa Nadal withdrew from Wimbledon ahead of his semifinal with Nick Kyrgios, citing abdominal pain. Apparently, he's got a muscle tear in his abdomen somewhere. So Nick Kyrgios, automatic advancement to the final, and Rafa Nadal had to back out. He will not be able to win uh, the Grand Slam this week, uh, this year, I should say. So unfortunate that we didn't get to see Kyrgios and Nadal play each other. I don't know if it's fortunate in, in your way of thinking. This is your guy. Yeah, this but is I your guy. Did you want to see I'd it? I prefer to see them. Really? Yeah, I'd prefer to see yeah, them. Yeah, him in the final, right through. Yeah, so uh, I'd prefer to see him play Nadal. It'd be fun if he beat Nadal. That'd be fun. Do you want to? It's it's. I assume it's Joker on the other side. Uh, I actually don't know what the other side is at the moment. How much you? If it is, today? how much you want him hitting balls right at the Joker? Oh, one hundred percent. Like Joker's uh, and he goes right to his head. Oh, Djokovic lost the first set. Oh, well. He usually rallies from two sets down and wins in five anyway. I don't know who Cameron Norrie is, but Cameron Norrie took the first set 6-2 ah, over Novak 6-2? Yeah, beat him down. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Brittany Griner entered a plea of not guilty, in, or excuse me, of guilty yeah. in <laughs> Russia. Uh, she did say she had no intent to break the law by bringing cannabis oil into Russia. Apparently, uh, TJ Quinn, who works for ESPN, he talked about this yesterday. Apparently, this can be a tactic for her to help in a prisoner exchange. I didn't quite follow the logic on how it helps to say, yep, I'm guilty. But apparently, that's the logic here. Of kind her, of falling on the sword? That's what they like in Russia? I guess, of her pleading guilty. Uh, I know there was a thread, the Associated Press tweeted out a thread sort of going over this. Apparently, I didn't know, I, I, I guess... It can happen anywhere, but she could get a presidential pardon from Vladimir Putin, and that oh. could be a way she gets out of this too. But I don't think that's happening. I don't think, and I don't think the way things are going right now <laughs> that that's going to happen. I don't think that's first on the list there to pardon an American. It's basically from everything that I've read from other people who know more about this than me. Basically, this all comes down to when Russia and the United States agree on a prisoner. Yeah, swap. exactly. Like that's, that's that's what the it. that's the situation. Griner is going to be. Guilty, sentenced to 10 years or whatever they decide the maximum is, and she will be there until there's an agreement on a prisoner right. exchange. That could be potentially tomorrow, or that could be seven years from now. It, nobody really has any idea. Next question. All right. This was an interesting story, and I'm curious how big of a deal you think this is. New York Post had a story on the Blazers who are currently being run by Jody Allen. She was the sister of Paul Allen, the former owner of the Seahawks and the Blazers, who passed away a few years ago. According to the story in the New York Post, Damian Lillard wanted to sit down and have a conversation with Jody about the team, and she didn't return his call. Then he tried to email her. Eventually, she just never responded and put him in touch with Burt Cold, who is a vice chairman with the Blazers. 
Is that a big deal that Damian Lillard wanted to talk to the owner and she basically refused I to talk to him? I actually think it is. I actually think that she wouldn't even sit down with her star player and see what he wanted to talk about. Give him 10 minutes. She can't She can't afford 10 minutes for a star player. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Although she also said the team wasn't for sale and it might happen in five to 10 years and it's probably going to be for sale next week. Um so, yeah, I don't know what you think. I I kind of think it's a big deal that she wouldn't at least acknowledge him and talk to him. Uh, he's he's the face of the franchise. He's a star player. Why why wouldn't she want it? Why wouldn't she even respond and say, hey, let's get in touch? Even on the phone. I mean, right. anything, you can't pick up the phone. You can't have your secretary call him. I mean, right. I assume he wants it in person. But if she thinks she's too busy running both teams, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get this at all. Like, I'm trying to envision... Mark Stone trying to call Bill Foley or like Derek Carr trying to call Mark Davis and just not not getting through. I don't like think just that happens. Like, right. Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine that it would. So I it's it's bizarre. I don't know that it like means anything. Maybe Damian Lillard ends up not playing his entire career in Portland, whatever. But like it just seems weird that you would have a story about, yeah, the best player, the face of the franchise for the last like decade wanted to talk to the owner and she blew him off and gave him somebody else's number to talk to. Like he doesn't want to talk to Bert. He wants to talk to the person running <laughs> about, the team. How about Bert Coldy? What am I supposed to say? <laughs> You're the owner. What am I supposed to say as vice chairman? Great question. All right. Is Colin Kaepernick saving the big three? Like what's happening here? See, he's investing in Ice Cube's Big Three, which is on the verge of potentially shutting down. New deal will help three-on-three competition continue operating and growing. Um, is, is this is this more proof the uh, the tryout with the Raiders went poorly? <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that uh, the word did get out, and now we can finally believe that it went poorly. So he's moved on to Ice Cube's three-on-or Big Three league. So here's the fascinating part: Sham Sharnia reported that yesterday. And then we had Colin Kaepernick's agent apparently come out and say, this is not true. That Colin Kaepernick is not giving money or investing in the big three. And I'm very confused as to why this would be a headline in the first place if it's not true. Right. Like, who told Sean Sharnia this? Who would have told him that? Who would have reported that? Right. And I imagine Colin Kaepernick or Ice Cube told him that. Like... (laughs) I don't like I I it's such a strange it's it's a weird headline to begin with and then it's such a strange thing to like be wrong about because was anybody searching out the Colin Kaepernick investing in the big three head like it's just a weird thing for it to be oh no that's not true but like if it's not where did that come from if we like, went down a list of potential investors where how long would we have had to list before we get to Colin Kaepernick <laughs> that was, I mean, pretty far months months we would like, have run out of names and said well well maybe that uh maybe that workout didn't go so well and now he's going to invest in the big three yeah what's next for Colin Kaepernick after his Raiders workout well obviously the big three yeah obviously That's not playing go. in it he's going to invest in it I just it's such a strange strange headline to begin with and then the idea that it would be false is even more bizarre to me because like who, how how did this news get to Sham Sharnia without it being true uh I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We know about uh, Bronny, LeBron James' sure. oldest son. Do you know about Bryce, his second oldest son? Okay. I knew Bryce existed, <laughs> but uh, I did not know 
this was Bryce as I'm looking at the picture of him and LeBron standing next to each other. I didn't know the kid was this tall, and he doesn't get the play that Bronny does, so I have no idea what kind of player he is. He is 15 years old, uh, Bryce James is, and this picture, uh, the top of his head comes up to, like, LeBron's nose. Yeah, he's above the shoulder. So he's 15, and he's, like, 6'2", 6'4", somewhere in that range already. Is Bryce James going to be six foot eight? <laughs> is he, it's one thing about Bronny. What if what if LeBron says, "Okay, I'm going to play a year with Bronny, and then I'm going to wait for Bryce. I'm going to be 46 years old, but I'm going to play with Bryce with you know with the Timberwolves or whoever drafts him." I mean, uh, based on his height, he needs to because Bryce James is going to be better. <laughs> Bryce James is going to be incredible. This kid's going to be seven feet tall pretty soon. We like, hear nothing huge. about him as a player. We see Bronny dunking over people. Maybe is this going. Maybe is this, this is be the. Like, uh, the ball situation. That's what I was going to say. It's going to be like the ball situation where we were sort of fixated on the older one just because he was the right. first one that could be in the NBA. But in reality, oh, one of the younger brothers is better? Yeah, this is going to – is this going to be Leangelo? Because yeah, LaMelo and um, – boy, who am I missing? Lonzo. Lonzo and LaMelo uh, obviously are really, really good. LaMelo's the best of all of them. But this is might be a Leangelo situation where he's really tall, but he's not that good. And I – I preface that with saying I know nothing about this kid. I know I know nothing. He might be a great player. But I knew he had more than one son, but we've heard so much about Bronny and how good Bronny's going to be, and that he's going to be drafted, and, and you know LeBron's going to go play with him. I didn't know. I didn't know uh, this other kid was this tall or or what kind of player he was. Kalon told me a couple days ago. I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk i'm drunk whatever <laughs> the university of south florida is building a 35,000 seat stadium for 350 million dollars that will be open in the 2026 season what i thought was interesting about this is we're talking group of five school building its own stadium this is basically exactly what unlv was trying yes. to get done yeah. Before the Raiders, once the Raiders came on board, that sort of superseded everything. But UNLV, before the Raiders stadium was even an idea, was trying to pitch this idea of, hey, roughly this, a 35,000 yep. seat stadium for $350 million. It would have been more because we would have put a dome on it, but for roughly that much. This is exactly what San Diego State just did. Yeah. They're, uh, they're uh, opening a new stadium this year. I think it's about, I think it's 35,000 seats. 35,000 seat must be the perfect Mountain West number. <laughs> because everyone wants 30 every I mean they're all 35,000 seats these Mountain West these Mountain West stadiums. I think what we're going to see is teams that do are able to get this done right because there were some financing questions on South Florida like who's paying for this sounds nice in theory but uh the idea here is this is going to be the ideal situation for football programs if you're a if you're group of five you want like sort yeah, of your own you want your own sure thirty-five thousand seat stadium if you're power five you want it to be bigger than that but sure. that's the ideal situation and if you can get a brand new one good for you Probably and the way things are going you build your new stadium and you're in the fcs immediately because nobody <laughs> picks you up and you've got this beautiful new stadium playing montana bobby Howe. By, the, by the time south florida gets this stadium completed oh. Will they be playing Division I college <laughs> no, football? No, exactly. No, they won't be. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NFL because is Jimmy Garoppolo actually going to get traded now? 
One thing I think that stuck out about Carson is just he's a very personable guy. He's somebody that we've connected with on a very personal level since he's gotten here. Even throughout the process, he was reaching out to me, checking in on me. Um, I was asking how practice was going and things like that. And, you know, that's why I can't wait to get out there and start throwing with them because now we get to put the football together. We get to start to form that connection on the field. But um, personally, I'm really excited to see what he does. And honestly, um, I remember my rookie year and we played Philly. I remember watching him play and the way he threw a deep ball. I was almost enamored by it, his toughness in the pocket. Like, I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit. He stands back there until the last moment, which really helps receivers get that extra separation or that time to finish their routes off. And the guy who's back there and confident as a receiver and as a receiver group, I think we're going to try to have a collective group by committee and, and help him out to be the best that he can. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Who was that? That would be uh, Terry McLaurin. Who? What'd you say? Oh, Terry McLaurin. Was he talking about Carson Wentz? Yes. Oh, boy. I guess you got to talk up your quarterback at all times. Carson Wentz. Hey. Coming through. Tua is more accurate than uh, Mahomes. <laughs> yes, he is. Right. Obviously. Obviously. Um, all right. Baker Mayfield traded to the Carolina Panthers. So one quarterback checked off that could be traded. One that's still out there is Jimmy Garoppolo, who at the end of the 49er season, Jimmy Garoppolo basically said that he expected to be traded. It's now July 8th. With Baker Mayfield gone to Carolina, does Jimmy Garoppolo get traded or is he a 49er for this entire Does anyone season? want him? I don't um, know. I, I, I mean, we waited and waited and waited for Baker and finally one of the two teams that have been publicized, one of the only two teams that have been publicized who wanted him, uh, took him, and now, I mean, Seattle's still out there, but, you know, uh, bowing to Drew Locke. So I don't know, you know, with Jimmy G's injury issues, I don't know if anybody wants Jimmy G, which means San Francisco, you know, maybe he, they keep him in just in case Trey Lance isn't all that they think he is. And I think that's the interesting part, because if you take the Baker Mayfield situation, Baker Mayfield wanted out. Baker Mayfield had no interest in remaining in Cleveland. So there was somewhat of Baker forcing his way out. As far as we know, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't like want out of San Francisco. He's just probably not going to be the starter because they're going to Trey Lance. So if you're the 49ers at this point, obviously like Seattle exists and maybe Seattle makes a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because they realize Drew Locke is no good. But like, let's say we get into camp or whatever, and their quarterback sustains an injury, and some other team is like, "Well, we can probably make it work with Jimmy Garoppolo," and and they want to trade for him. If you're San Francisco, I'm curious what is worth it to them to where they would trade Garoppolo. Like, what's more valuable, a fourth round pick? Or having Garoppolo in case Trey Lance isn't any good. Given what teams think about quarterbacks, it might be the latter and keep him yeah. as insurance. Like he's I mean, got if that fourth round's a second year, round, which yeah, it wouldn't got, be. Right. He's got one year left on his deal and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So anybody trading for Garoppolo, you're getting one year of Garoppolo and then you have to commit if you want him for longer than one year. So you're not gonna get like this massive package. For Jimmy Garoppolo, you're probably getting a mid-round pick. I assume the 49ers wouldn't have to pay, like, all of his salary like the Browns did. Maybe they would. But, like, if I'm San Francisco, 
I, I think I'm okay with keeping him if mm-hmm. nobody offers me a good pick because he, he's he got a chance to provide a lot more value than just a fourth-round right. pick. Like, right. If there, there's two, what if Trey Lance stinks? Right. Trey Lance could be bad, or Trey Lance could just get hurt. I mean, we right. could be in week seven and the 49ers be six and one or whatever, and Trey Lance goes down, and now, oh, where are we going to? Well, good thing we still got Jimmy Garoppolo around. And again, he's not so good that like he's going to be the reason you win, but the 49ers have won a lot with a quarterback as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think there's this situation is much different because the team that currently has the quarterback actually can put value on that guy whereas cleveland there was baker mayfield wanted out. there was no value for cleveland in keeping baker mayfield if he was not going to show up and play but the 49ers i think there's value there i think there's legitimate value to having this guy ready to go in case trey lance isn't any good we talked about this with baker mayfield and why the raiders wouldn't have looked at that given what they gave up uh for baker mayfield what would you do if the raiders uh wanted to back up to Derek carr and thought garoppolo is better than anyone they had what would you give up so the main problem with Garoppolo is that his cap hit is $26 million. So it would all depend on what the 49ers were sort of keeping out of that. Like we saw with Baker. Like we saw with Baker. they Cleveland kept $10 million? 10 of the $18 million right. is what uh, Cleveland kept, and Baker waived three of it, basically. So if if the 49ers weren't willing to eat any of the salary, then you, you, you just can't, can't. You can't do that. Right. right. Gets, that's way too much. But... If you told if if and especially if the Raiders don't spend the rest of their cap space, they've got the twenty one million, right? If they only spend like ten million of it and they've just got eleven hanging around and they could get Garoppolo for a fourth round pick and only pay him eight million this year, I think I would do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would because That's a lot for the 49ers to eat. Right, and and I don't know if that's going to happen. That's probably the bigger issue here, is that if given his contract no. You're, there's Ruby barking at. Sure. I don't know hey, what Ruby. she's barking at. I, I assume she already ate, so who knows? But <laughs> um, so I, I assume Garoppolo's contract means if you trade for him, you're trading for him to start. But if the 49ers did eat some of it, then it would open up the possibility of oh. yeah, this guy's a good backup. He keeps saying they have to eat something, and that's why Ruby's barking. Yes, that's right. Oh. That's right. That's right. Yeah, she's yeah, she's barking at my fiance. Who knows what she needs. Or wants. I don't she, know. Wants or watch, wants. she wants to watch Stranger or Things. Wants. Yeah, she does want to watch Stranger <laughs> Things. Probably. Yeah. Ruby's Ruby I mean, is fourteen years old now. Wow. Good for she's her. Sl- wow. She's slowing down. Good for her though. Fourteen. Solid yep. number. Yep. Who knows if she can see? Did, did I tell you guys she punctured both her eyes? Jesus Christ, how, man! Yeah. How yeah. did that happen? We don't really know, but she w- just walks into things. Ah, uh, poor Ruby. Like she, like because she, because what? It's a sheet suit, so she doesn't have a snout. So to sniff right, things, she right. sticks her whole face, her in whole it. face in things. Right. So who knows? And it, they like apparently dog eyes heal much better than human eyes. Like she punctured it, and it was like not a big deal to the vet. Like it's like here's some eye drops, but yeah. So who knows? Trying to heal those with eye drops. Apparently, it'd be a big deal if we punctured our eyes, but not for <laughs> dogs. They bounce back pretty quickly. All right, coming up next, Nick Raboni from UNLV Hockey joins the show. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. The second round of the NHL draft is underway, and the Golden Knights just made their first pick of the draft. I have no idea how to say this name. I do not have the sound on my TV. 
but they drafted a guy from the Czech Republic who plays center. Not even oh, going to attempt to. He's going to be his great. Name. Oh, I, I, and I hope we learn how to pronounce his name. Right down so the middle, he's going to be great. Yeah, they needed centers. <laughs> yeah, but Golden Knights have made their first pick. They did not have a first round pick last night, uh, but they have a quite a few picks throughout the day today. Joining us now, coach with UNLV Hockey, Nick Raboni. Good morning, Nick. Hey, how Nick. are you today? What's going on, man? Morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. We're good. All right. How do, how do we get this in the future? How do we get a UNLV player eventually drafted in the NHL draft one summer? Uh, we got to take one big step to become a varsity sport, and then there you go. <laughs> Just okay. that easy, you know? <laughs> okay. Let's. So, all right. I don't know if this impacts it at all, but we've talked to you quite a few times about uh, you know UNLV hockey getting to Division One. Does any of sort of the college football realignment that we're seeing, does that have any impact on your guys' uh, uh, attempts or chances at getting into Division One hockey? I think it could. I think the, uh, the, the college landscape is obviously changing drastically. I think one thing is, is with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten does have hockey. So if USC and UCLA decide that maybe that's going to be an option for them moving forward, that throws two more teams or one more team on the West Coast there. And, you know, I think that that would provide an opportunity for us to get to, to kind of open the door um, with a with a Western conference with, uh, you know, uh, Arizona State or both Alaska schools. Um, so, you know, I think that there's always going to be opportunity there. Um, you know, it really just comes down to money as always. Um, but I, it would be interesting to see where UNLV is going to land as, as a – uh, institution, whether it's going to be the Pac-12 or, you know, maybe they're staying where they're at. Um, it all depends. We'll have to just kind of see where, where everything falls into place here, you know, throughout the summer. Nick, has the message been the same under Eric Harper that it was a Desiree Reed francois what it would take to make this happen? Uh, yes, I think that, uh, you know, we've had kind of just limited talks with Eric. Um, you know, obviously we, we would love to have deeper conversations with him and his thoughts on, on the program and um, what we can do moving forward, I think the number one thing would be to provide a feasibility study. I think, um, you know, the NHL um, does that for colleges that are looking to kind of see where they're at as far as the college landscapes goes. Um, so I think that it would be great for UNLV to see, honestly, where it could be at because, you know, with the majority of schools, you know, the, the hockey programs are, are right up there behind football and basketball in terms of making money for the university. So I would love to see where we could be at as well. And I know, you know, we, we've had this conversation before, but you're, like, if you're pitching UNLV hockey as, hey, this is why we should be Division One. what's, like, the biggest reason that you guys sell the program for? I, I would say revenue. I, I do think that we can be a revenue-generating sport, uh, especially with <clears throat> how the game has just grown here in the Southwest and Las Vegas in general. I mean, if you come to any one of our games right now, it's, um, you know, you would be shocked probably at the amount of people that, that pack in the City National Arena and, it's why we're consistently looking and trying to find ways to, to play it, you know, maybe some more games at Dollar Loan Center just because we don't have the capacity to fit the fans. So I think that that would, is financially is a, is a huge pitch to the university is that, hey, this is a sport that people like. It's on the rise. It's, it's something that um, can generate uh, notoriety throughout the country and, and also, you know, provide uh, the university with a bit more money in their pocket. Nick, what have you learned most about this journey as you've taken it with this with this uh, club team? What what are things that you've learned that maybe you didn't know going into this that it would you know come to fruition? You know, it's taken. You know, this is going to be my seventh, uh, eighth year with the program. So seeing where it was in 2015, 
uh, prior to the NHL coming and us being an ACHA Division II program to where we are now, it, it's pretty crazy. I, I mean, as a staff, we've learned a lot about the type of player we want to recruit, um, the culture that we're building here. I, I mean, we have guys that are coming from the NCAA Division One and, and three levels that are looking to come to our program now because of the structure that we provide. Um, you know, we run it as, as close as any NCAA team as you'll find throughout the country. And uh, I've learned that, that players at this level really love structure. They want to come here, be student-athletes. Uh, they want to get a, a first-class college hockey experience on and off the ice. And fortunately, we're able to provide that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have a few Division One games. I know you guys are going to Alaska to play Anchorage. I believe they come here. And you're also playing Denver, if I remember correctly? We are. So we are playing, playing the NCAA Division One reigning champions in Denver on October 1st. Um, and then we'll have three games versus the University of Alaska Anchorage. So that gives us four NCAA games for the upcoming season. So we're, realistically, as a program, we're trying to put ourselves in position to play uh, the best ACHA D1 teams and, and NCAA games. I mean, this isn't something that we want to just do as a one-off. We want to show that, you know, we can try and compete at that level. And um, I think that the biggest thing for us is putting a quality schedule together. And I think we, we've been able to do that. And we have 16 home games um, this season. And, you know, this will be the first time that uh, UNLV will play an NCAA Division One game in Las Vegas. So, um, so some really, really big stuff this year for us. Uh, help me on this. Is there a portal? There, there is a transfer <laughs> portal. Unfortunately, we don't have access to it. Ah, okay. um, so for us, any any okay. players that are looking to transfer are, are ones that simply reach out to us. And I can say that we've had um, more than ever this upcoming year. Um, you know, normally I'm picking up the phone in January and starting to make recruiting calls. Uh, this year, I actually didn't even pick up the phone. Um, it's kind of crazy, you know, with the amount of with the amount of players that we have interested in our program. What is the conversation from players that are transferring, if it's from the Division One level or anywhere? Like, what's the conversation they have with you when they call and are interested in coming to play hockey in Vegas? You know, a lot of times it's players that are at the, the D1 level or D3 level that aren't happy with their current situation, whether it be playtime, um, whether it be just the overall experience. You know, you have guys that are playing back east at these small schools that um, – you know, they don't see sunshine for months on end. And, um, you know, they're going to a school with 1,200 people. So it's uh, UNLV is a, it's a huge appeal. I mean, they want to come out west where, you know, January and February, you're not, you're not just bundled up in beanies and, and coats and things like that, number one. And number two, I, I mean, like I said, I think that we provide a really, really great experience on and off the ice. I mean, we practice three to four times a week. We're in the weight room twice a week as a team. So they're coming here. They're seeing a program that's successful. They're going to get great weather. Um, and then overall, being in Las Vegas doesn't hurt either. There's never there's never a, a down moment for our guys. They they really enjoy it. Uh, whether it be golf, hiking, doing things as a team, there's there's so many cells here to, to UNLV in Las Vegas. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, you, you talk about structure, but how you run your program like an NCAA tournament, uh, like an NCAA team, like how important is that to show kids, especially that come from that level, like, look, you might not be at that level anymore, but we're going to run you the same way, and it's going to be the expectations are going to be just as it was if we were. It's huge, and, and it's really the little things, right? So, you know, we never travel and play on the same day. Most, of, most college hockey teams at any level play Friday and Saturday night, so we're going in Thursday um, you know, we're practicing Thursday night or Friday morning, making sure our guys are getting three good meals that Thursday, 
plenty of rest Thursday. And then Friday, you know, we're up, we're warming up as a team, we're going over film. I mean, there's a lot of structure. If you were to see our itinerary on the road, um, there's not really much downtime for these guys. We tell them to get their homework done prior to going on trips because we want them to focus on the games that pass. And, um, you know, it, it, it pays off. I mean, we were 27-5 and five last year, and I, we won 17 games in a row, with a lot of those being on the road. So that's kind of the type of things that we sell to our guys, and, and they love it. You mentioned the Dollar Loan Center out in Henderson. Do you guys have any games this year out there? We're hoping to have uh, one of the two games for our home opener, October 7th and 8th versus Utah at Dollar Loan Center. So we're really just kind of been working with those guys over there to, to see what the AHL schedule is going to be like. And uh, hopefully we can squeeze in one of those games or the uh, home game versus the University of Alaska Anchorage. I think they're bringing down 150 alumni as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's no shock that even the opposing teams want to have their uh, banquets and, and alumni events out here as well. Uh, this many years later, how is the relationship with the Golden Knights? It's great. Um, you know, we, we couldn't be happier in the position that we're at, and we hope we're involved with their future plans as far as, you know, them having to build a couple more rinks out here per the right. NHL rules. So I think uh, one of the things that we've had discussions with is, you know, how can we maybe build something that's a little different from City National and Lifeguard Arena where maybe there's a 1,500, 2,000-seat bowl, and um, now you're looking at something that is a realistic um, – rank and arena for NCAA Division One hockey. So you're already kind of making that, that stepping stone there without doing anything um, crazy financially. But um, that, that's something that we've talked about and discussed. And, you know, they're really great to us, uh, you know, in, in all aspects of our, uh, our program success. Is the Dollar Loan Center, would that be a suitable NCAA Division One rink? I think 5,000 seats is, is a little much, personally. Um, you know, you see what ASU has in 5,000, and I think that's great. I think the structure of Vegas is a little bit different, and I do think that uh, the Silver Knights, you know, their footprint in Henderson is, uh, is pretty big, and it's only growing. So I think we would look for something a little bit smaller. But in terms of being suitable, yes, it is. I think that, uh, you know, their schedule would be difficult for us to kind of schedule around at times as well. But uh, 100% totally suitable if, if we were to uh, make that jump, it could work. Nick Raboni with us from UNLV Hockey. Before we let you go, uh, I look forward maybe 15 years from now, Golden Knights have an arena dispute. You guys are Division One, and they got to come play a season at your place like the oh, Coyotes Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, would uh, would love to see it. Would hate to see it. I, I don't know. You get your torn on that aspect of it. <laughs> well, he is Nick Ravoni with UNLV Hockey. Uh, their season getting started again this year. Again, they go to Denver to play NCAA Division One Denver, but the home openers are October seventh and eighth against Utah. Nick, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Take care of yourself. All right. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, we'll jump into some more hockey because the draft's going on, and we're going to try to figure out how to pronounce somebody's name that we have no chance at getting right. Yeah, you can't you can't compare those. I mean, there's there's no event on tour that's like the Ryder Cup or the Presidents Cup until you stand on a tee, you know, in France, and there's what ten thousand people there, and and I feel like I wouldn't even be able to get a golf ball on a tee. I'm so nervous, and my hands are shaking so bad then yeah, I probably wouldn't comment on saying that one is like the other because uh, it's not. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition.
All right, are we giving a, a try here to how to pronounce the Golden Knights' first draft pick this year? Go ahead. <laughs> Matias Sapovalov. Okay. Matias is strong. Strong up the middle. A uh, plus. <laughs> so second round already underway. Actually, I think there might be into the third round uh, with the NHL draft. But uh, Golden Knights made their first pick of this year's NHL draft, 48th overall. A center from the Czech Republic. Maybe it's pronounced Matias Sapovalov, but I doubt it. I doubt I got that right. But that is the Golden Knights' first selection. Uh, Vegas does have a third round pick. They do not have a fourth but they have two-fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. So okay. they will have a good chunk of picks Waiting today. around for the boys to make their picks. My favorite, thus far, my favorite response to them drafting him is, so who are we trading him for? <laughs> Got to wait a year or two before you actually trade him away, right? For yeah. some some eight nine million dollar player per year. That's, that's what you got to wait for. So Golden Knights actually participating in the draft today after sitting out last night um so did you see this story about the arizona coyotes it gets better and better by the way they're going to have a student section at their games when they're there again if you if you miss this entire story the arizona coyotes basically got kicked out of their arena so next year they are playing at arizona state's hockey facility now arizona state is a fairly new division one team they've got about a 5,000-seat arena. So you have an NHL team that's playing in a 5,000-seat arena. And apparently, this story Greg Wyshynski wrote, there's going to be a student section of three to 400 students <laughs> for these games. Which, are they going to get three to 400 students to show up for these? That's a great question. I mean, Arizona, now ASU does have hockey, and it is a Division One sport uh, at ASU. So maybe there's a... Maybe there's a fan base there that would that is going to be interested enough to go to these games. I mean, I, yeah, three fifty to four hundred. Like I said, they they have a good fan base there. They became Division One. There might be enough people that would be interested. I I mean I I feel tough. like it will be. Like I'm I'm thinking like when I was in college at Ole Miss, if you had told me that there was any uh, professional sports team, right? If it was NBA, NHL, whatever that was suddenly just playing at an Ole Miss facility. I feel like the student section would be packed, would be filled up immediately. Like, I feel like that would be, everybody would love that. So I'm guessing they're going to fill up three to 400 seat student sections. I I I guess the team sucks. So maybe there's a, ah, they suck. We don't want to go watch them. But I feel like I'd be all on board if I was a student at Arizona State to go to every single Coyotes game and make it like a legitimate student section you see yeah. in college sports. Like, that might actually be fun. I think it would actually be pretty cool. Signs, uh, knowing the knowing the players, you know, uh, knowing the team. Uh, I don't even know if it's – I don't even know if they sucked if it would matter, to tell you the truth. If they're, if they're there and they're hockey fans, I don't think it would be a push to get that many – to get that many kids in there. Yeah. I don't need – I mean, and, and here's the other key – I'm assuming student section means the tickets are going to be very cheap. Well, they better be really cheap. They better not be NHL prices. Right. That's what I'm assuming here. Like, when I was at Ole Miss, we had to pay for football season tickets, but it was like 
a hundred bucks got you the whole year, but every other sport was free. So you could go to any other sport with your student ID for free. I'm guessing this is either a free 300, 400 seats or like, Hey, five to 10 bucks a game for you to get in. If even that much. So if if the coyotes are out here trying to charge the students full price, none of them are showing up, but if it's free or really cheap, no. Yeah. If it's free or really cheap, I think it'll be great. And like, I kind of want to see. Remember the the big Kim Birch thing that the UNLV student section yes, had? Yes, you want to see the giant, huge, like, giant, like fifteen uh, foot thing. Yes, yeah, with I the arms going back and oh, forth, yeah, maybe yeah. holding holding a hockey stick, like maybe the, with the puck, like shooting it, like putting oh, its yeah. arms back and shooting pucks. It'd be whoever, beautiful. Whoever their goalie is for the next few years that they're here, uh, they need a giant one of those in the student section. I mean, and and the other thing about the Coyotes is it's such a disaster that they have to do this. This is actually a really good idea. I mean, I got to give oh, them credit of- because because they're such a disaster right now and even having to do this, to come up with this and to have a student section and kind of be aware of ASU and the fan base they have, I got to give them credit. Yeah. I mean, of all the things that have happened with the Coyotes, like they've all been bad. Not, not Nothing has really been good. This actually could be. This actually could be fun. Like there's a legitimate chance that, oh, uh, playing in Arizona is kind of interesting right. now because they have something that nobody else has and it's a student section or whatever. The other funny part from that story, uh, the Coyotes, I can't remember who it was, but uh, apparently the, oh, the Coyotes president, his quote was, from a revenue perspective, <laughs> it's going to be at the same or better than we were before. So the what? Coyotes going from a normal NHL arena where they could hold 15,000 plus to where the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils play at like 5,000 people are going to have the same revenue is one of the saddest things well, I think I've ever heard from a pro sport. Not only one of the saddest things, but how, I, and I know they're, they've they've not been any good, and like we said, it's a disaster. They have to do this. How is that even possible? I mean, how much are they charging for tickets? Are they like doubling the prices so they get more revenue? I, knew, I mean, because there's, there's you know, going to be less seats maybe more demand because there's less seats but i don't know how you could have more revenue when you're going to a college arena i don't either i mean i guess they're counting on on selling out the place for every game i'd hope they sell out the place for every game but i don't because because that's the other part like even if you're a big coyotes fan if the team's not going to be any good and now they're playing in this college arena that's tiny I, I can imagine a lot of Coyote fans saying, I'm just going to sit this out until either the team's good or they have a legitimate NHL arena. Right. <laughs> like, that seems easy to me to be like, yeah, I'm just not going to actually go watch this team play in person right, right. until they get one of those two things. Gonna, and maybe maybe if I live really close to Arizona, wherever Arizona State's facility is, and I'm like, oh, cool, Arizona State's facility's really close. I can go to the games more. But for the most part, I'd have to guess, ah, nah, we're not going to do that. We're not actually going to make that happen. So... We'll see. But they're going to have a student section. Hopefully, Arizona State students show up. That would be actually a lot of fun for Arizona Coyotes hockey.